Exodus chapter 37, verse 1. And Bazalel made the ark of acacia wood. Two cubits and a half was the length of it, and a cubit and a half the breadth of it, and a cubit and a half the height of it. In this chapter, we're going to discover that Bazalel follows the commandments that God gave Moses. It's kind of repeat information in the sense that we've already heard God tell Moses to do this, but now we're going to see that Bazalel actually does carry it out. So it's confirmation that the children of Israel actually did create what God told them to create. First, he's making the Ark of the Covenant, which is what's going to carry the Ten Commandments in it that are written on stone. And it's two and a half cubits by a cubit and a half wide and a cubit and a half tall. It's rectangular shaped, just like the tabernacle is rectangular shaped. The courtyard is shaped like an ark. The tabernacle is shaped like an ark. And inside is the actual ark. Two, and he overlaid it with pure gold within and without and made a crown of gold to it round about. A cubit is about a foot and a half if it's a Hebrew cubit. Three, and he cast for it four rings of gold in the four feet thereof, even two rings on the one side of it and two rings on the other side of it. So each of the four corners has a foot and in the foot is a ring um, so that you can put the staves or the poles through the rings to carry it with so that you don't actually touch the ark when you're carrying it. You only touch the ends of the poles. Four, and he made staves of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. Five, and he put the staves into the rings on the sides of the ark to bear the ark. Six, and he made an ark cover of pure gold. The top of the ark is solid gold, but the sides and the bottom and the staves and the rings are made of acacia wood that's overlaid with gold inside and out. Two cubits and a half was the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. That means it has the same dimensions. The top cover, which is solid gold, which is the mercy seat, has the same dimensions as the rest of the Ark of the Covenant. Seven, and he made two cherubim of gold. Of beaten work made he them. Beating it with a hammer to craft it into shape represents that Jesus was beaten before he was placed on the cross at the two ends of the ark cover. He had a hammer, and he may have had different hammers of different sizes to beat different parts, so he could have had a whole set of little hammers to create this beautiful artwork of the cherubim. The reason the cherubim are decorating the ark is because there's real live cherubim in heaven attending God's throne. So he has these two golden cherubim, demonstrating that there are probably real cherubim there that are invisible that are attending at the Ark of the Covenant. Eight, one cherubim at one end and one cherubim at the other end of one piece with the Ark cover made he the cherubim at the two ends thereof. It's all connected. This would take an extraordinary amount of skill because the Ark cover is a flat surface and it was probably a pristine smooth flat surface with these two angels on top of it decorating it that are not flat. And the two angels, their wings are touching each other. Everything is connected and touching. Nine, and the cherubim spread out their wings on high, screening the ark cover with their wings. With their faces one to another, toward the ark cover were the faces of the cherubim. The way it's written, this is called personification, which means when you make it seem like an inanimate object is doing something that only a living being would do. The wording is saying that the angels 
these golden angels stretched out their wings and had their heads toward each other, but their faces were down toward the mercy seat. And it makes it sound like the angels are moving, but they're actually not moving. It's personification. But it shows you that when he was done creating the work, it gave the imagery of something real, of real angels that would be looking at the throne of God and attending him. Personification is a way of writing that brings a very vivid imagery. 10. And he made the table of acacia wood. Two cubits was the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. This is the showbread table that it's talking about. So when you enter the tabernacle, the showbread table is on your right. The candlestick is on your left. The perfume table is in front of you toward the back of the tabernacle. And behind the perfume table is the veil, and behind the veil is the Ark of the Covenant. So a cubit and half the height thereof. 11. And he overlaid it with pure gold and made thereunto a crown of gold round about. 12. And he made unto it a border of a handbreadth round about and made a golden crown to the border thereof round about. This table has two layers of crown. It has an inside layer of crown. And then a handbreadth is when a man opens his hand and spreads out his fingers from the tip of his thumb to the tip of his pinky is a handbreadth. That distance round about, the first crown is another crown. So it's a double layer crown. And made a golden crown to the border thereof round about. So outside the handbreadth is the outside border crown. 13. And he cast for it four rings of gold and put the rings in the four corners that were on the four feet thereof. Sounds like the rings are solid gold. All of these furnishings have rings with staves, which are the poles, to be carried by. So when you lift them and when you set them down, you're not supposed to touch the furniture. You just touch the ends of the poles. 14. Close by the border were the rings, the holders for the staves to bear the table. 15. And he made the staves of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold to bear the table. Acacia wood is the only wood that was used for the entire tabernacle, not only for the wall panelings of the tabernacle, but also for the furnishings of the tabernacle. They didn't use any other wood but acacia wood, and we discovered that acacia wood is very strong and very long-lasting and very weather-resistant. God knew that these tribes were going to be in the desert for 40 years. They needed a wood that would last for 40 years and withstand all kinds of weather and be very durable and not fall apart or rot or split. This wood also has a beautiful coloring and a very smooth polish, so it would be perfect for overlaying with gold. 16. And he made the vessels which were upon the table, the dishes thereof, and the pans thereof, and the bowls thereof, and the jars thereof, wherewith to pour out of pure gold. All the vessels, all the table utensils, are all solid gold. It's a showbread table, and that's where the twelve loaves of unleavened bread are sitting. Sometimes God consumes the bread, and sometimes the priests consume the bread. When God consumes the bread, they just a fire comes down and boom, they're gone. And then at other times, the priests are, are commanded to eat the bread. There's also golden spoons that have the incense in them that's going to be burned. There's jars for the frankincense. And then there's plates to put the showbread on. 
17, and he made the candlestick of pure gold. Now this is the candlestick that weighs approximately 57 pounds, and it's as tall as a man. It's also beaten with hammer, and it represents that Jesus was beaten. 17, he made the candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work made he the candlestick, even its base and its shaft. Its cups, its knops, and its flowers were of one piece with it. This is a seven-pronged candlestick. It has the centerpiece, and then it has three branches on the right and three branches on the left, completing the number seven, which is God's number, and that's the seven days of the week that God gave us. Also, in the book of Revelation, it says that there are seven spirits attending the throne of God. So this represents the seven spirits attending at his throne. It's beautifully decorated with cups at the base where the lights are. Now this is lit with oil, not wax candles. They pour oil into the cups. And then they have a wick that they put inside the oil. They stick it upright and then they light the wick. And its knops and its flowers decorate the base parts of these branches. And the flowers are almond flowers. All of this is one piece. So he didn't make separate pieces and then connect them and solder them together. He, it's all one piece of beaten work. Jesus, his whole body was sacrificed for us. He wasn't just hurt in one part. His entire body was sacrificed. And that's why they said that on the Passover, which commemorates Jesus on the cross, they had to eat the entire animal and they couldn't break it in any way. 18. And there were six branches going out of the sides thereof, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side thereof on the right, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side thereof, the left. 19. Three cups made like almond blossoms in one branch, a knop and a flower, and three cups made like almond blossoms in the other branch, a knop and a flower, for the six branches going out of the candlestick. Almonds have a meaning, and it means wakeful and watching. So it means waiting on the Lord, looking to the Lord, watching for the Lord. And that's the same thing that the cherubims are doing. At the throne of God, they're attending God. They're looking at Him, and they're waiting on Him to see what He might need and what He might want from them. That's what the cherubim are like at the throne of God. And that's what these almond blossoms represent. That's the meaning of them, waiting on the Lord. The decoration at the end of the candlestick is a knop, which is kind of like a vase-shaped decoration. And then above that is the bowl where the oil is poured. And then around the edges of the bowl are the flower petals, which are the almond flower petals. And this is all in gold. 20. And in the candlestick were four cups made like almond blossoms, the knops thereof and the flowers thereof. You know how there's three branches on the right, so in between those branches are two spaces. And where the two spaces are is where it has an almond blossom design in each space. So there's four spaces that have the almond blossom design. The two in between the three branches on the right and the two in between the three branches on the left. 21, and a knop under two branches of one piece with it, and a knop under two branches of one piece with it, and a knop under two branches of one piece with it, for the six branches going out of it. So there's four decorative knops that have the almond blossom in the entire candlestick, because there's two on one side and two on the other. 22, their knops and their branches were of one piece with it. The whole of it was one beaten work of pure gold. So all these intricate decorations, it's just incredible. All of this was one piece and beaten with a hammer. It was not cast in a mold. 
So the gold must have been warm because it was being beaten, and the warmth helped the artist to decorate this. Basilel. 23. And he made the lamps thereof, seven, and the tongs thereof, and the snuff dishes thereof, of pure gold. The lamps are what you pour the oil in. Then there's tongs to stick the wick in the oil, and snuff dishes to put the light out when you're attending the candlestick, and you have to put the fire out to pull the old wicks out, or the pieces of wick that are left. 24. Of a talent of pure gold made he it and all the vessels thereof. It weighs a talent, about 57 pounds. 25. And he made the altar of incense of acacia wood. Now this is the perfume table. A cubit was the length thereof, which is about a foot and a half in the Hebrew cubit, and a cubit the breadth thereof. Now if they were using Egyptian cubits, then it would be a little bigger. Maybe it's two feet, but I don't know if they were using Egyptian or Hebrew. Four square, so it's perfectly shaped like a square. And two cubits was the height thereof. The horns thereof were of one piece with it. This is resembling the altar out in the courtyard where they sacrifice the animals. It's a square and it has four horns. And horns represent power. And the blood goes on the horns of the altar, both the one in the courtyard and the one in the altar that's in the tabernacle, which is this perfume table. There's power in the blood. The blood is what atones for our sin, and Jesus' blood is what transforms our life. The blood goes on the horns to represent how powerful the blood of Jesus is. 26. And he overlaid it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof, round about, and the horns of it. And he made unto it a crown of gold round about. So it has one crown around it. The perfume table has one crown, a one-layer crown. The showbread table has a double-layer crown. But the perfume table has horns, one at each corner, and the showbread table does not have horns. The perfume table will get anointed with blood at a certain time of the year on the horns. But the showbread table, I don't think it will. The bread on the showbread table represents the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God. Everything that Jesus says is the Word of God. So the Word of God is on the showbread table. And the blood of the covenant is there because sometimes they'll have a drink offering, which is wine, and that will be on there too, and that represents Jesus' blood. And the perfume represents his perfume. He has beautiful perfumed robes in heaven. The Bible talks about his perfumed robes. It's the beautiful scent of Jesus. Do you know that Jesus is the most beautiful being anywhere? There's nobody more beautiful than Jesus. And so he has a beautiful scent to represent his beauty. And all beauty on this earth comes from him because he created it. Then the candlestick represents the seven spirits that are before the throne of God. The Ark of the Covenant represents the mercy seat where God dwells, which is kind of like his throne in a way, but it's also where some of the blood will be sprinkled. 27. And he made for it two golden rings under the crown thereof, upon the two ribs thereof, upon the two sides of it, for holders, for staves wherewith to bear it. This is the perfume table. 28. And he made the staves of acacia wood, and overlaid them with gold. 29. And he made the holy anointing oil, and the pure incense of sweet spices, after the art of the perfumer. And he made it according to the recipe that God gave Moses in the previous chapters that we read. That recipe included cinnamon, cassia, and some other very precious ointments. Okay, and that concludes Exodus chapter 37.